Exponential Trust Times is the unique AI channel of trust that offers an innovative formula of mentoring at scale for youth people from all around the world. I'm Dr. Lobna Kari, Executive AI Strategy Growth Advisor and Digital Transformer for Fortune 500 and 440 for more than two decades and the President of AI Exponential Thinker. The AI Deal of Trust is a unique fair opportunity for our young generation to learn about high achievers from the most important institution. Our aim is inspiring the young global community to embrace trust technology. In this episode, we fly to Australia to meet Aurélie Jacquet, an AI ethical advocate, chair of Standards Committee on AI, member of the Australian AI Working Group. Uh, the, a or the European AI Alliance and the IEEE uh, P7000 <laughs> Engineering Methodology for Ethical Lifecycle Concern Working Group. Hi, Aurélie. Hi, Lobna. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you uh, for inviting me. It, it's really my pleasure. Uh, we, we follow your work uh, for a couple of years in AI uh, uh, ethics and AI standards. And we are happy to have you today in this episode of the AI Deal of Trust. So through our discussion, we will learn more about your mission and your role and also your perspective about this future of uh, exponential technology. But before going on, uh, on those topics, we are really curious to learn more about your academic background and how you end up in this role as the chair of the Standards Committee on AI and member of the Australian Committee uh, AI Working Group. Sure. Um, it was a very interesting journey. Um, so um, it started possibly in 2016. So it's a mixture of um, the, the first, I've never really heard about standards before. I, uh, I was, um, I'm a lawyer. I've got, um, uh, was um, trained and educated as a lawyer in France and moved to Australia. So um so what happened, I think it's, um, I was initially a litigator, then I, I started to work for algo traders. So pretty much what made me, where my, my first concern started with AI was really um, my experience first looking at algo trading and seeing possibly the, when you automate um, trades um, across markets, so let's say um, you have a, normally you have a trader that trade option or future, um, on different markets, you automate all this in a very clever manner. So, um, and um, at the time uh, when I entered that world, there were very uh, little, there was little regulation on, uh, on automated trading. We had a couple of crash and then the regulation came in. So I got quite um, a good overview of what you could and could not do with automated trading. So that was uh, a great learning um, opportunity. That was possibly the first step. Then, um, as I said, I've always followed um, the less traveled <laughs> pathway. So uh, I generally follow the unconventional path. As I say, I came from Australia, uh, from uh, France, moved to Australia, was a litigator, and then went into financial services and now looking at the governance of AI. So when you do this, you, you mostly often, as you would know, uh, rely on the exception rather than the rule. 
So when I started to hear the debates about really um, would AI help or hinder us and really whether I wanted to be told, I think that's a, a bit of a usual uh, point in my career or for any lawyers when you um, you don't really like to be told what to do, less so uh, if it's um, automated. So for me, I thought at least uh, I'll get involved uh, in the debate. That's the best way to make sure um, you keep the discretion that we have uh, for human beings. Yeah. Um, so that was possibly as I say, my experience, my values through through my through the journey I had um, that pushed me this way. Um, how did I come to standards exactly? For me, I saw the law um, when I was looking at algo trading, and I started to look at AI back in 2016, 2017. The law was very um, well. Um, there was no discussion yet in Australia, at least. Mm-hmm. on how to evolve the law or how it should develop. And I was seeing that as a very slow process. And um, I had started um, ethics for AI and automated decision-making group on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, had a few um, people that with whom we would meet on a regular basis and that developed in, a, uh, in quite a cohesive group. We would discuss how we could promote the topic. And as part of this, uh, standards came up. And that's the first time um, I came across standards. Um, so we started to discuss, um, put some proposals, and um, and I got to know a lot more about standards. Um, I uh, ended up, they, um, those um, colleagues and professional um, trusted me and there's some gave me some recommendation and also I had to approach the CEO um, of different organization and association talking about AI standards. So put the submission in, um, convinced uh, a number of government, non-government bodies. And um, yes, then we got Australia to participate in the international standard on AI. Um, and um, I was, um, they, they kindly offered me to chair um, the committee. So that's um, the really? long short thought. So you, you had me to ask you the, the second question. So it's much more about the chair. When you talk about chair of Standards Australia, what, what, what is the role and what is the mission? So um, pretty much for, uh, as a chair of Australia, um, of the chair of the committee that representing Australia at the international standard, okay. really, it's to make sure Australia as a voice um, at the international table um, and help shape the responsible use of AI through the development of international standards. If you think, like I looked a bit into the history of international standard, like, you know, um, they actually fit in everything, mm-hmm. whether it's the sunscreen you wear and how it's um, the requirement to, to make it, whether it was way back then, um, the shape of a brick so you could have it and it was interoperable across jurisdiction. So you would use the same to build a house in Paris, like maybe you yeah. would have the same um, requirement that when you build a house in um in america so so that's where standard feeding they provide uh, a best practice um that's um is applicable um, across the world so 
it's actually feeding in our everyday life without us realizing but for um for effectively for AI, it's particularly important because it's two things. Again, it's um, the standards, the works that we lead um, with ISAR is really about making AI trustworthy. Yeah. So again, it's about providing practical, I insist on the word practical guidance um, that will help organization in Australia to implement um, AI responsibly. So, and effectively, um, you see that we've got lots of AI principle across um, the world that have been flourishing, which is fine. But how do you make those principles? How do you implement them? And how do you make sure um, that they work across jurisdiction? Um, so that's the first thing. Um, and as I say, inter sorry, interoperability is really um, the piece that is a big advantage of. Um, of um, standards, for example, you you just think what trustworthy means in, again, I'll take the example <laughs> from my background in France, there should be some equivalent on at what it means in the US. So um, that's where standards really developing um, best practice that applies internationally. So with being a little biased for me, it's, it's, a, it's quite um, a priceless initiative. <laughs> In that respect, is it something like uh, from for our understanding? Is it something that uh, we saw a lot of company uh, working on AI principles and AI ethics and AI responsible principles, right? And how to implement it? Is it something um, that in the same time you um, you have uh, you observe those principles as well, and and in some way, in some way, you can give your your advices or recommendation, not to you only, but I'm talking about this. This, this chair, or is it something like it's other principles, it could be the same one, but not only the same one. How, how you, like, what is the relation between the standard, the AI standards and the principle that we are seeing uh, in, in big company like Salesforce, Google and, and Amazon, just to, to name three of them. Definitely. So we've very much focused on possibly the implementation, not the principle themselves. So if we take an example, um, uh, making uh, not the easiest one, but like uh, fairness, um, we, what does that mean is um, in a practical way, first, you need to ensure data quality. And second, you need to look at bias and to, um, to ensure like, and determine what is unfair bias and how to, um, to address it. So these are the issues we look at. Um, safe, safety, make sure AI is safe. Um, you need reliability, you need um, robustness, you need of the neural network. So make sure it's robust for your purpose, it's fit for purpose. Okay. And that's, again, um, that's where we provide the guidance, where we say we will put a standards on um, robustness of neural network, um, the evaluation of the model, make sure the data is accurate. That's, that's where Okay. Um, the work lies. Great. Uh, with the brilliant team in Australia, you released the AI roadmap, roadmap with a couple important goals such as Grow Australia capacity to develop and share best practice in the design, deployment and evaluation of AI systems, but also other goals. Can, can we learn more about this roadmap and the main goals? Um, first, I, I just need to um, to um, take the opportunity to, to say that 
Um, the person at Stand Australia that led that work was um, Dr. Jed Horner, and he was he's a strategic advocacy manager um, at Standard, um, and he did um, an amazing work. So my committee um, obviously figure in the report because we um, as part we we leading on the standards on AI. So that's how we fed in and review. But this is uh, very much his baby, um, and um, as part of this work, as you say in the recommendation. This we have um, there's four goals um, in uh, this recommend um, in the report of Standard Australia. Um, it's I'll, I'll just give you a quick overview of the goals and explain a bit where we are in Australia. Yeah. Um, so the first goal is to ensure Australia can effectively influence AI standard development globally. So again, um, it's looking at um, cooperation across with other standards um, body um, and promoted that um, Australia is a small country. So obviously understanding more about what is done in um, Canada, America, in Europe and in all those other countries um, is always a strong benefit. Um, the second goal that was given in the roadmap was to increase Australian business uh, international competitiveness in relation to responsible AI and streamline requirements in areas like privacy risk management. So the main um, one of the example of how standards can help was effectively from in the privacy field. Um, privacy is um, obviously one of the principal, but one of the big issue when you um, use AI. And um, there's a standard, like as an example, standard two, uh, 27, um, sorry, 27701, which is about privacy information management, and that gives you um, the general rules to, well, the, the, the guidance to follow um, for um, good um, privacy information management. But it's also um, very useful for Australian business because um, in this annex, it's mapping um, the GDPR and also um, other regional privacy framework to the Australian framework privacy framework so it's really a guidance to business on how on the how to to see the difference between other privacy regime with the australian uh, regime so that's how you can help um really um australian business um let's say um be part of promote uh, promote their um activity internationally um, and this, the third goal was ensure AI-related standards are developed in a way that take into account diversity, inclusion, ensure fairness, and build social trust. So that's um, the, the focus here is, um, so that's, um, I'm, I've got a strong interest, obviously, in that one. Um, it's really about um, improving data quality um, because, as you know, uh, this is one of the big piece that uh, data quality, data labeling, um, and obviously also um, using one as uh, there's one standards currently that's underway that's a pathway for certification. So it's um, this is um, a good way to leverage that standards to actually um, make sure we embed a responsible and inc inclusive AI. And finally, the last point was um, 
grow Australia's capacity to develop and shape, uh, sorry, develop and share the best practice in the design and deployment and evaluation of AI system. Um, and it's, um, it's working on safety by design, um, but also to, from, from an Australian perspective, it's to also look, um, um, Standard Australia put a proposal for a hub, a standards hub, um, to really foster the collaboration between um, standard setters, industry bodies, and industry participants. So trying to work a bit more in an agile way. So this, these are all the guidelines to really ensure we have a, um, we continue to have a strong participation um, in um, international um, standards on AI and generally um, in um, in the developments that are done internationally on AI. Um, and this was one uh, of the building block of, um, uh, let's say, different consultation papers that was done by um, CSIRO, which is a research body um, for Australia, the equivalent of CNRS, I don't know, in the US. Um, uh, then we had the Human Rights Commission that did a report and so that was um, the last one to to really drive the AI strategy for Australia. And and what what is the timeline for this roadmap? Is it something that is short term or long term? Is it something within three years, five years? Uh, so each of the goal have short and um, longer uh, term. So some about some goals which was. Um, like increasing, um, having a, a broader um, set of industry uh, representation um, in, in the committee that I lead, um, that's uh, already underway. Um, setting um, um, the, the development of uh, the hub, um, this will take um, a, few more, um, was it, this a few more months. Okay. Um... In one of your, your talks uh, at the Law Society uh, of NSW Future of Law Conference, you mentioned that ethical AI is about keeping your lawyer in the loop when designing, developing, developing and implementing AI, not just at the end of the loop, uh, when the class action is near. I like what you said. And can, can you share with us your perspective about AI responsible and how governmental institutions will implement it uh, these um, principles. Yes, thank you. So this talk was um, addressed to obviously the law society. The, my, my main point um, there was um, when you develop an algorithm, it, it needs lots of training. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> as you, know um, you need a lot of data to retrain it um, is um, quite an effort. So um, when uh, that, that's when um, you now have everything by design um, and um, to have a <laughs> compliance and legal by design is also becoming important because now you can no longer just wait, which happens quite often for um, the end of the project to happen and just go, hey, can you just approve? Um, this should be compliant. And um, and then you've got your lawyers that say, sorry, but there's this, did you think about um, this uh, piece of legislation? How are you complying? You need to build in new requirements. And um, 
and for the legal profession. So they, they will be embedded a lot earlier, but also to actually embed those requirements um, and that governance in the algorithm is something fairly new. So that was my main point. Um, um, so I guess, um, how do you apply um, AI responsibly? The first thing, um, I think um, Ed Santos, the Australian Human Rights Commissioner, made a fairly good point that uh, I'm happy to repeat, which is first, um, AI and algorithm are not operating in vacuum. There's lots of existing law that applies to it, which is like, for example, discrimination law, uh, privacy laws, um, competition laws, um, and you see a number of cases where people have uh, possibly not quite, um, well, whether they've realized or whether it was in, unintentional, um, you see a lot of, a couple of cases that are coming to those courts and um, are getting fined because the algorithm was in breach of um, certain part of those laws. So that's why, um, going back to this advice, um, engage your lawyer earlier um, or your compliance early. Um, that's um, one piece, but what's also particularly, particularly important for AI from my perspective for is good risk management um, and dynamic risk management, because effectively with AI, what I mean by that is um, normally for any IT system, um, the performance is linear. It will always be the same. It'll never change. It's very different with AI. The performance will vary. That's the issue. So if you have a dynamic performance, you need a dynamic risk management. And so that's why you need to test, validate, monitor your AI system on an ongoing basis. And that's gonna be very important. Um, and you see some regulators already um, um, overseas are uh, mandated, well, they're not mandating, they're starting to discuss the fact that organizations should have their own, they should have in place an AI risk management strategy and also um, um, have tailored their governance for um, the, when they, they look at, um, to properly look at uh, AI. Great. My, I, I'm, I'm very curious to know, like, I know that there's a lot of lawyer working in AI ethics and one of the, the ones who inspired me and I work with her, she's Kate Rathbutton and she's a judge uh, initially. Uh, and and, and I, I, I observe more and more people coming from um, lawyer uh, background working in AI responsible and AI ethics, which is great. Uh, I, I think we need to, to bring more expertise, different expertise to the table in order to see uh, quite uh, clear the picture about AI ethics and AI responsible. My question is much more now about uh, trust technology. AI is an exponential technology that can empower human lives for sure. But at the same time, there's a dark side behind AI. What's your perspective about the main issue that we should handle urgently today? Um, so I think, yes, um, this is definitely a dark side. Um, I think off too often, um, and, and you know, back in 2018, that's, that was a way to bring um, people's um, attention to the topic. 
um, is the robot and what can, can go wrong with um, the use of uh, robots. Uh, there was that video um, that was done um, by one of the universities showing um, how you could um, use AI to have very powerful weapons. Um, and we have, um, in Australia, we have um, uh, Professor Toby Walsh that's been leading um, the, um, the discussion at an international level on how to ban um, those um, um, weapons uh, that are uh, using AI. So um, from that perspective, um, Australia has been leading on uh, pushing that conversation. Um, and um, this is, as I say, in the, um, not in the civilian, but in, in that military uh, component, this is most definitely a worry. Um, however, if we go back to the civilian examples, you, the, the, the issue, it's, it's very hard to see how your phone can turn against you or um, the application you use every day. So from that perspective, I think there's definitely an education piece that needs to be done for consumers to understand really um, how to, what is AI, how, um, that it's not really the killer robot, but it's really what they use every day that can be useful if done properly, that it can be actually efficient and a, um, a great tool to help them but to help them acknowledge um, when um, their data is used against them and um, when automation are, uh, can be badly done. Um, I, I know um, the Dr. Alan Finkel, that was a former chief data scientist for Australia, um, um, when he was in position, uh, was a strong believer of a trust mark to help consumers. Um, so, so that's one possibility, um, but there's definitely, definitely um, um, a way to ensure consumer can, are aware of, <laughs> about how the data is used and how the algorithm is working and what it can do, like especially in terms of nudging um, and profiling. Uh, but for me, what's particularly important, I think, is um, the education piece should start at school, um, with, especially with children, um, and to, so that they really have a strong understanding of what tech can do and how it can be used. You're right. And you speak, you speak about weapon and the book that I, I read many times and I keep recommended more and more, the book of Katie O'Neill's with Till now, it's some. It's it's a really a piece of knowledge that every everyone can find a lot of insight about the dark side, but also the positive side, also the bright side. But both, but we need to be aware about both of them, and, and it's really interesting to, to to work on education. With more than. 50,000 young people empowered in time of pandemic and uncertainty. We are grateful to our remarkable guests with exponential experiences and from great organizations such as Amazon, World Economic Forum, Harvard, Google, Berkeley and more. 
Thank you to our great audience and keep tuned for this new episode in the unique AI channel of trust by AI Exponential Thinker.